the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. And he said to them, do not be amazed. In other words, you don't need to be terrified. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold, here's the place where they laid him. In other words, don't be afraid, but rejoice. You're looking for the body of the crucified one. Well, I'm telling you, he's not here. He is risen. What a simple statement. But what an incredible statement. This is the greatest announcement of the greatest miracle that has ever taken place. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. This is Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. It is a joy to welcome you back again for this second part of Steve's Easter message of last year, The Assurance of Christ's Resurrection taken from Mark chapter 16. The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the key doctrine on which all of the scriptures rest. Many men over the centuries have tried to destroy this fact of history by attempting to explain it away by false theories and nonsensical thinking. In today's class, Pastor Steve continues to show us the proofs for Christ's resurrection from the grave and explain the vital importance of understanding and accepting this great truth of the Bible. The tomb was empty, but how and why did this event happen? Get your Bible out if you can and open it to Mark chapter 16. Pastor Steve will begin with a short review of our previous study, beginning in verse 2. And now here's Steve. Now, even though Christ's body was already anointed, and there were spices already on his body and perfumes to add fragrance to the stench of what they thought was decaying flesh, these women still wanted to anoint Christ with more spices. Why? I think the reason is just because they loved him, just because they loved him and there was nothing else they, they knew to, to do, this would be their final act of, of devotion to their fallen master. Their final act of, of love, their last tribute of love and friendship to their dead leader. And so this is all they can think of. Get more spices on. What, what more can we do for him? Listen, I want you to understand they had no expectation of his resurrection. There is no thinking here that, that Jesus will rise from the dead. And so we read in verse 2, very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. So it's what we know today as Easter Sunday. They were eager to perform this last service to Jesus. So very early on Sunday morning, they came to the tomb. And it said when the sun had risen. Now, I'd like you to notice something. The end of verse two says they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And yet John chapter 20 and let's turn there. The last gospel account, John chapter 20, says something that's a little different. John chapter 20 
verse one, just the beginning of verse one says this. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark. Now, the reason I point this out to you is because some have said, aha, this is a contradiction in the Bible. One gospel account says while it was uh, light, the other says while it was dark. And I realize there are many here today who perhaps are not used to dealing with the Bible and might look at this at a superficial glance and say, well, the Bible must have errors. But that's not the case. The Bible has no errors. It's God's word. How do we explain this then? Let me show you how we how we reconcile this. When you put all the gospel accounts together, what we have is this. All the women left their home while it was still dark. They all left at that point. But Mary Magdalene must have been a runner because she ran ahead of the other women. See, back even in those days, there were joggers, <laughs> Jewish joggers. And so Mary Magdalene ran ahead of the other women. She arrived at the tomb before the sun arose. But the other women who were not jogging, not running, they got there after sunrise. There is no contradiction. There is no conflict. Each gospel writer tells you some of the details, as I said, but no gospel writer tells you all of the details. That's why we have to put it all together. But when you put it together, you see that there are no conflicts here. But while they neared the tomb, so now you understand, they neared the tomb, something occurred to them which I don't think they had thought of before. They were only concerned about the spices and getting that ready and, and getting, uh, getting there early. But now, notice verse 3 of Mark chapter 16. Something occurs to them which they hadn't thought about. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? In their zeal to anoint the Lord's body, they had overlooked the fact that a stone had been rolled to cover the entrance of the tomb. They, they certainly weren't strong enough to move the stone. If you have ever been to Israel and you have been to any of, of the ancient tombs, you would realize that these were huge stones that were, that were rolled down. They, they, they came down in kind of a, a groove and they slipped down. And once they were there, it took about 20 minutes to roll it back. It's like a little hill. There's no way that these women could have rolled that stone away. In fact, Matthew calls it a large stone. Mark says in verse 4, it was extremely large. This was a circular flat stone, a, a disc that was rolled down, as I said, a sloping uh, Groove till it was securely in front of the entrance. And, and why did they do that? To keep out intruders. That's why. To roll that stone back up again would have taken, one scholar says it would have taken at least 20 men to do that. And that's why the women at this point are so concerned. They know that they can't move the stone. So how could they enter the tomb to anoint the Lord's body? That's, that's their problem. And notice verse 4. Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. As they were walking and talking and trying to figure out what they're going to do, they're, they're apparently looking down and they come to the tomb and they look up and the stone has already been rolled away. Now, folks, the question is this. Who moved the stone? Who moved that stone? Many years ago, an English journalist by the name of Frank Morrison, who was a skeptic, not a believer in Christianity. 
He uh, he set out to prove that the story about Christ's resurrection was a hoax. And he felt that if, if he could could show and prove in a reasonable, logical format that the resurrection was a hoax and he could prove that Christianity was a hoax. So he put all of his journalistic uh, investigative uh, powers into into operation and and dealt with this and investigated and looked into the matter. And he became a believer in Jesus Christ, convinced of the resurrection of Christ. And he wrote a book about it. The first chapter of that book is entitled The Book That Refused to Be Written. You know what the name of the book is? Who Moved the Stone? I have it in my library. It's a great book. Who Moved the Stone? Now, you may wonder, who cares? Why, why is that important? Who Moved the Stone? Well, here's what Morrison said. He said, the stone is the one silent and infallible witness in the whole episode. Let me explain. Why is this so important? Because if someone rolled away the stone, someone that we're not aware of, then maybe they also removed Christ's body and then pretended that he rose again. So it's very important that we know who moved that stone. Who could it have been? Just by, uh, by reason, there are several suggestions that have been offered. First of all, some have said, well, Joseph, Joseph moved the stone. Joseph of Arimathea, he knew where the body was laid. He was the one who moved the stone. Impossible. It, would, it, it took more than one man, more than two men, even if he brought Nicodemus back to help him. I, I told you, the scholars have said, understanding, as archaeologists do, how heavy those stones were, and I have seen a stone like that. Two men could not move it. Now, you might say, well, maybe he brought 20 men back. Yeah, but that doesn't make sense. Because if 20 men who Joseph brought back did move that stone up the hill, then later when the believers would have said, but we, uh, we're preaching that he was raised from the dead, we've seen him, these men would have said, it's a hoax. I, moved, I helped move the stone. No, no, I, I did it. But nobody said that. Nobody said that because they didn't move the stone. They would have exposed it as something that was false. But they didn't do that because they didn't move the stone. Joseph didn't do it. How about the disciples? Were the disciples the ones who moved the stone? No, they were too scared. Remember, they fled that night. They were scared. Matthew, let's look at Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter 27. You might want to keep your place in Matthew 27 and Matthew 28. But notice verse 62 and 66. I mean, these men were afraid. Remember, it's Peter who said, though all will flee, yet I won't. But Peter denied him. And all the others fled. They didn't come back. Matthew 27. Notice verse 62. Matthew says, now on the next day, the day after the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate and said, sir, we remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I am to rise again. Therefore, give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal him away and say to the people, he has risen from the dead and the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you, you have a guard. Go make it as secure as you know how and they went and made the grave secure and along with the guard notice this they set a seal on the stone the seal was probably a thread 
thin thread stretched over the stone and sealed at each end. To break that seal was a capital crime punished by crucifixion. Soldiers wouldn't have done that. Certainly these these cowardly disciples would not have done that. They weren't about to take on the Roman soldiers. These are the men who just a few hours earlier or a few days earlier, I should say, had fled. They were scared. So Joseph didn't move the stone. The disciples didn't move the stone and the soldiers certainly didn't move the stone because there was a seal there. They're not going to defy Rome. Punishable by death. Crucifixion. So who moved the stone? Well, Matthew tells us. Notice Matthew chapter 28, verses 2 through 4. It is no mystery who moved the stone. Verse 2, and behold, a severe earthquake had occurred for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. We're told that there was an earthquake sent by God and an angel descended from heaven and rolled the stone away. Why? Why did he roll the stone away? He did not listen. He did not roll the stone away to let Jesus out. He rolled the stone away so that the women could look into the tomb and see that Jesus wasn't there and be convinced of it. That's why. That's why. Listen, I, I want you to understand there's no human being who who has actually witnessed the resurrection of Christ. No one actually saw him get up and walk out of the tomb. No one no one saw that. Now, they they saw him later. He appeared to them, but no one saw the, the specific moment when that happened. Most likely, Jesus rose at the very moment of the earthquake, and then he walked through the walls of the tomb. Now, why do I say that? Because in John chapter 20, verse 19, we're told that in his glorified, resurrected body, he just walked through uh, doors and appeared to his disciples. So he would have risen from the dead and just walked right through the tomb. And then the angel took the, uh, the stone and moved it. So you see, the entrance was open for the sake of letting others look in. Why? To convince not only these women, but to convince us, to convince people for 2,000 years now that Jesus indeed has risen from the dead. It's there. The stone was removed to convince you and me that Christ really rose from the dead. When I was a brand new believer in Christ, it really troubled me, these things. Did he really rise from the dead? How do I know this? Because I understood that Christianity rises or falls on the resurrection of Christ. But it was this type of stuff that convinced me that Jesus Christ really did rise from the dead. And it ought to convince you. If, if you are convinced of this, then you need to submit and surrender to Jesus Christ. It ought not to simply be a theological issue, something you know in your mind. You ought to be convinced that this is true. That's why Mark wrote it. But he gave us something else. We know that Christ was raised because, number one, the stone was rolled away by an angel. Secondly, we know that Christ was raised from the dead because the tomb was empty. Now that the entrance to the tomb was open, the women were able to look inside. And what did they see when they looked inside? Notice Mark chapter 16, verse 5. 
Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. Now, who was this young man? This was the angel who had rolled away the stone. Both Matthew and Luke say was an angel. Mark doesn't say specifically was an angel. Mark is describing the angel as he appeared to the women. He appeared as a young man. In fact, uh, other gospel accounts say that there were two angels there, but Mark only concentrates on the spokesman of these two angels and says there was one. Now, if you saw an angel or two dressed in white robes sitting in the tomb, uh, certainly you would react as the women did. It says, and they were amazed. This word amazed doesn't just mean like we would say, wow, that's heavy. You know, it wasn't just that. This word carries emotion. It carries fear. It carries awe. They, they, were, they were distressed over this. They were in terror over this. That's exactly how we would react. In fact, Luke says that they were uh, dressed in dazzling apparel. Matthew says their appearance was like lightning. In fact, Matthew says the guard shook for fear of him and, and became like dead men. So it's very understandable that these that these women were just astounded and, and afraid. They're terrified. So the angel speaks up to calm their fears. Verse six. And he said to them, do not be amazed. In other words, don't need to be terrified. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold, here's the place where they laid him. In other words, don't be afraid, but rejoice. You're looking for the body of the crucified one. Well, I'm telling you, he's not here. He is risen. What a simple statement. But what an incredible statement. This is the greatest announcement of the greatest miracle that has ever taken place. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Why? Why? The Bible says that God the Father raised Christ from the dead because he wanted to express to us that he was totally satisfied with the death of Christ on our behalf. Totally satisfied. He accepted the payment. When Jesus died, he was dying as a substitute for our sins. But the only way we know that God the Father accepted that sacrifice was because of the resurrection. In fact, the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 4, verse 25, he was raised again for our justification. That is to say, he was raised again to demonstrate to us that the moment we put our trust in Christ, we're declared righteous, we're justified, we're, we're forgiven of our sins, we're right with God. God the Father accepted the payment. And three days later, he expressed his acceptance by raising the Lord Jesus. But let me ask you this. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but why three days later? Why wait three days? God didn't need three days to raise Jesus from the dead. Could have raised him a moment after he died. Why wait three days? It's not like God had to wait. May I suggest to you that it was three days after death in order to prove that this was a real miracle, a real resurrection from a real death so that no one would say, aha, he really didn't die. After three days, you know that somebody died. 
In fact, notice how the, the angel goes the extra mile to, to assure these women that Christ really was resurrected from a real death. He says, behold, here is the place where they laid him. In other words, he was dead and it was here that he laid, but he's not here anymore. A real death, a real resurrection. He points to that slot cut out of the rock where the body was laid. He says, look for yourselves. The tomb is empty. And now, 2000 years later, the empty tomb still assures us of the marvelous truth of the resurrection of Christ. And I want to explain something to you. Let's turn to John chapter 20 and we'll see John's accounts of this and why the empty tomb is so critical and how thinking people can think their way through this and say, you know what? There really is solid evidence for believing in the resurrection of Christ. John chapter 20, beginning at verses uh, verses one and two. Now, on the on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb while it was still dark, you know, running Mary and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. Now, notice this. She's still running. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And we believe that to be the Apostle John himself and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have laid him. So so understand, stay in John for a moment. But Mary gets to the tomb and Mary is quick to run there and she is quick to make the assumption that somebody, since the body is not there, she's looked in, she doesn't see the body. So she runs to Peter and John and announces that the body is gone. Someone's taken it. She should have just waited there. The angel would have said what had happened. He announced it to the other women, but she left too quickly. Notice verse 11. She thinks someone has stolen his body. Verse 11. But Mary was standing outside the tomb. Now she's returned to the tomb and she's weeping. And so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb and she now she sees the two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they have laid him. Now, Mary apparently is not thinking clearly. How do you have a conversation with two angels like this in dazzling apparel? What are you doing, Mary? Well, I'm looking for his body. But I, I mean, so, you know, she's she's just not thinking clearly here, but she does believe that someone has stolen his body. And when she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, because it was a garden area. She said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, and he goes on to say some other things. But what I want you to see is that Mary believed that somebody had taken the body of Christ. And you know what? That is a theory that is still going on today. That is how skeptics try to deal with the resurrection. They say that the tomb was empty because someone or some group removed Christ's body. But the question is, who? Who did it? It's kind of like who, who moved the stone? Who could have removed the body? If you could figure that out other than what the Bible says, then you could say that the resurrection is a hoax. You won't want to miss the conclusion of this great study on tomorrow's verse by verse. 
In it, Pastor Steve will examine the biblical accounts of the many witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Be sure to be here. Verse by Verse is an outreach ministry of Lakeside and has a vast archive of messages by Pastor Steve. You can go to the website, browse through the topics, and stream or download any of the messages for free. That website is versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. Lakeside Community Chapel is located at 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater. That's about halfway between U.S. 19 and the beaches. If you don't have a regular church home, Pastor Steve would welcome a visit from you this Sunday. The morning worship service is at 10.40 a.m. The evening service is at 6 p.m. There is a Sunday school for all ages, as well as a great youth program. You can call the church at 727-441-1714 for more information. That's 727-441-1714. Until next time, on Verse by Verse, this is Peter Silseth, thanking you for listening and inviting you back again tomorrow for the conclusion to this special Easter study on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit... There's a lot going on right now. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.